Hey, this is Lodi from WCW and Raven's Flock, and you are live in color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hello, hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Live and In Color Wolfie D. You know who I am, and you know who this guy on the other end is, Jimmy, across the street. <laughs> what up? What I, you, up? <laughs> you say it with such daggone fire, man. I love it. Yeah, Thank man, you. I'm a house of fire this morning, man. You know, <laughs> it's it's getting close to Halloween, and you know how I am. During Halloween, I'm always building some props and making stuff, and I got a really cool one that I'm adding to the stuff this year. Uh, me and Isaiah went out here last night and started building a miniature wrestling ring, and we are going to feature some uh, some, you know, the the five foot, six foot skeletons. We're yeah. going to have some skeleton wrestling going on in the yard this year uh, as a new piece. So it's going to be really cool. Be on the lookout on social media. Yes, definitely. We will be looking out for that. But here's the funny thing about that. You know how I make the reels for the show. I make the little yeah. stuff where I put the pictures and people yeah. are talking over it and stuff. Put a lot of work into it and focus and stuff. Wolfie can make one video of his Halloween and get more <laughs> views than about 10 of those. But <laughs> it was awesome, man. You got what, like 10,000 views on that one last time or something? I guess it was so. Yeah, I remember you were talking to me about it, and you were like, "How many of them? Th- how many of them views do we get normally?" Because you probably don't even care, but or you don't pay attention to that. <laughs> I, I care. I, I know I, you care, but you don't pay attention to the numbers specifically. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes around fifteen hundred, something like that. You were like, "Bro, I got like eighty five hundred on this one video," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" <laughs> but hey, hey, it's cool, man. It's Halloween. Everybody yeah. loves Halloween. You know, it is like the it's. Been- Become like the biggest holiday of the year, I think. I think so, because I think everybody enjoys it from certain perspectives, whether it's the kids getting the candy, the adults dressing up to go to their little functions, or the people like you who actually put a lot of effort into making the yard. It's like an experience, you know, mm-hmm. it's cool. You, I, love I would, the, you know, the stuff I would, that you can't buy. That's what I like. Exactly. Exactly. You make your own. I love it's that. It's mine. <laughs> yes. All yours. <laughs> you were you were a perfect member of the disciples of the new church, man. That's You're, right. You got to keep the Halloween going, baby. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I want to uh, put a sign in my yard uh, that says, "Hey, motherfucker, uh, please don't throw your." fucking trash i live on a little bit of a main not a main road but a lot of people travel this road and evidently they think that the side my side yard is a fucking uh dumpster and i get people throwing shit out there all the time need to hire uh, james mitchell to stand out there and hold a sign or something yeah (laughs) with a camera court or with a with a video camera or a phone or whatever and get license plates and fucking send that shit to the sheriff and yeah, get him a $500 fine. It pisses me off having to pick that shit up. If you litter, if you litter, folks, you are a douche. I'm just saying. Yeah, don't be a douche. Especially in somebody's yard, man. It's one thing maybe going down the road and you don't want something to spill or something like that. Or it's, you know, old food you need to get out. And, you you know, it's a wooded area. I mean, I'm not so against that, but I, I still don't do that. But 
damn, why you got to throw it in my yard? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously, just don't oh, litter. Shit. I mean, yeah. you know, in the regards of even on the side of the road, somebody's got to clean that up, man. Yeah. And yes, it's kind of sometimes good to see the people out there in the orange jumpsuits. I don't know what their <laughs> deal is. I'm just kidding. But you see them picking up stuff on the side of the road. They got to yeah. do that. It's community service, all that. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, just don't litter. Seriously, just hold on to it. So easy. It's it's so easy to drive through the middle of a gas station. They're not going to come out there and be like, don't do that because there's always cars in and out of there. Just drive through it, drop it in the trash can right there and head on to the house, man. It's super simple. Don't chuck it out the side of the... I mean, I'm just saying, you know, but we've all done it. I'm not going to lie. Everybody's done it. I don't do it anymore because just like Wolfie, I live on a road. Everybody thinks it's the daggone Mooresville Raceway through my neighborhood. (laughs) I'm always picking up stuff out out of my yard i mean hats somebody had a hat it was like a pair of shorts the other day i'm like who lost their pair of shorts they took off their shorts somebody pooped in their pants yeah maybe there was i didn't see any peanut butter stripes so we're you know (laughs) examined it closely yeah well speaking of pooping in your pants did you watch aew last week oh my lord i did not but for some reason i have a feeling you're talking about this clip that's going around yeah, uh, I guess uh, what's the guy's name? Please help me. Ricky Starks Ricky and Starks. arguably, in my opinion, the current probably best wrestler in the business as far as in in the ring goes. You know, now I may have changed my mind on this a little, but <laughs> yeah, Daniel Bryan, Ricky Starks, yeah. Daniel Bryan. I don't know, man. That was, uh, I know. I think the reason the clip got on there supposedly, yeah, is because of the what he said to the what the fan said and what he said, but that absolutely did not cover the fact that he completely missed his leg. And I'm like, how is this person uh, getting paid whatever he's getting paid? And yes, I usually don't come on here and knock straight up shit and people. But that was fucking horrible. I mean, it was. There's no excuse for that. No excuse for that. I've looked at it in a couple of different ways. Um, If you look at it closely, there's a slight possibility when he when he grabs his leg and wrenches it over. If you look at him, he it almost looks like he he leans in and possibly says something to Daniel, like move your leg or some shit. Possibly, okay, but still. That's just like shooting somebody into the ropes and telling them to duck the clothesline and they don't hear you and you throw that big rainbow clothesline over their head and oh, they don't horrible. duck. Horrible. Same, same thing. Yeah. You swing that fucking chair. If you don't move his leg, you hit him, but you, you still can take care of him. Of course. That's horrible. There is yeah. no excuse for that other than the guys don't give a shit no more. Whether, whether it, you know, they expose and, and I guess expose really ain't the word because again everybody knows. But right. I mean, come on, that's, that's garbage, man. And if I was that fan, I would have had a comeback for that. I would have said, "Well, she's more uh, believable than you are." Is what right. I right, right? <laughs> she does a better <laughs> job of selling it than you did. So. Yeah. The, the the part that I took such offense with, and again, I watched the actual showing of it on Collision, mm-hmm. and the, the cameraman is from the other side. So obviously, this is coming from a camera phone in the crowd, and then mm-hmm. what the guy says was, that looks fake, and it were, you're fake or whatever. That yeah. did look fake. And again, 
whatever. I know that's a bad word and it triggers all wrestlers. I get it. It it triggers me and I'm not even a wrestler. But when it comes down to it, the fact that he's not moving his leg, maybe you thought he was going to move his leg, whatever, but you can still do a halfer, right? You can still put most of the impact on the side of the chair on the post, but then can still catch his knee it's going to be a flat shot it's really not i mean i'm just saying there's a safe yeah, or, way to or, do that i would think he would try to hit uh, uh on the thigh or something the thigh is not that's not gonna you know straight on the kneecap right. could hurt you right thigh, probably not you know if you know right. how to work a chair evidently he don't know how to work a fucking chair but clearly whatever. Yeah. uh yeah man but that's just that's complete trash no excuse for it in my opinion but yeah yeah you know. It was He's garbage. And I don't, but whatever. And I was just like, you know, and I posted that in the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling group, which if you're not yeah. in there, join at GMBMPW. But anyway, when it comes down to it, I said, AEW apologists, explain this one to me. All right. <laughs> and again, I'm not a WWE apologist. I'm just a wrestling guy, you know. And when it comes down to it, if there's garbage wherever it is, we should still be able to call out the garbage. And, yeah. you know, to me, I just feel like there had to have been a miscommunication somewhere because it seems like it, man. Cause I mean, if he thought that that was going to look good, I mean, I just can't imagine that that was the way it was supposed to go. That his leg was not supposed to move or something. I don't know. It just, you don't miss by that far. You just don't. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, man. Terrible. But anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Let's, uh, we got Lodi on the show today. This should be really cool. Um, haven't seen him in years, uh, and just reached out to him as I usually do, uh, on Facebook. Hey man, you want to come on? He said, absolutely right away. So let's take a break and let's talk to Lodi after these messages. Hey folks, to get your official live and in color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to pro forward slash live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, guys, we're back. And as usual, got a very talented guest coming on the show today. As you know, uh, a member of Raven's Flock uh, and, and has done some other pretty cool things I was unaware of. I didn't know this man was an author, but we'll get to that, too. Uh, <laughs> we got we got Brad Lodi Kane on the line. How you doing, my friend? Hey, man. Long time no see, long time no talk. Thank you very much yeah. for having me today, man. Thank you. Hey man, it's my pleasure to have you on here. I was glad to glad that you answered me. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that was good. You never know with some of the guys. They kayfabe you sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be glad to do that uh, in two years. (laughs) So, So, what's been going on in your life currently, man? Oh, bro. Well, if if you want to get really current, you know, I, I still wrestle every weekend. Um, you know, I could keep a pretty steady schedule, have a uh-huh. wrestling school, all that on the wrestling front is good. Uh, back, uh, June 21st, just a little over three months ago, actually mm-hmm. June 17th, had a match up in Mooresville, North Carolina. We were talking about that earlier in Mooresville mm-hmm. and Saturday night, about 15 minutes from home, 
I was wrestling one of my kids that uh, I've been working with for a couple of years that I absolutely love, a guy named Lucky Ali, who was actually uh-huh. at the WWE tryout last week. Uh, uh-huh. I think he did okay. Uh, had a heart had a heart attack in the ring. Oh, you did, he did or you did? I did. I did. Oh, brother. And had a heart attack July, June 17th up mm. in Mooresville and was, you know, 50 minutes from home thinking, felt horrible after the show, didn't realize at the time I was yeah. having a heart attack, got progressively worse. And I'm driving down 77, I'm like, I got to make it home, got to make it home. Mm-hmm. And was doubled over with like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life and yeah. called, my gr- called my girlfriend and said, hey, she was out of town. I said, I'm, I'm not real familiar with Uptown. I know your uh, co-host there is very familiar with Trade Street and Uptown, but the hospitals in that area, I'm not such a, on um, Saturday night especially, yeah. I called her. She was, she was on the West Coast. I said, Tanya, what hospital can I get into on Saturday night at 930? Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, my goodness, if you go in the hospital, something's wrong. I'm like, tell me what hospital. We'll talk about it later. And she yeah. said Presbyterian, and I hung up, and, and I, I'm doubled over driving, and I, I was praying Mm-hmm. that I didn't have a wreck and hurt somebody else. I, I was right. absolutely miserable. Got yeah. to the hospital, staggered in the emergency room, and the guy behind the counter was like, are you all right? I'm like, I don't feel good. He goes, you don't look good. <laughs> Sit down right there. And they wheeled me to the back and did all the tests. And mm-hmm. by Monday afternoon, this was Saturday night, but Monday afternoon, been in the hospital for two days, they realized you know, I definitely had a heart attack, but didn't yeah. realize what was going on. Uh, put me under for a heart cath to see if there were any blockages. Thought maybe uh-huh. we could get away with a couple of stints, yeah. and surprisingly enough, woke up and had a a cardio a surgeon in my room explained to me I had you've got three arteries that supply your heart with blood, yeah. and one one was blocked at a hundred percent, the yeah. second was blocked at a hundred percent, the third was blocked at ninety. Mm. He said you got you you've got to have a triple bypass surgery, son. Holy and so uh, that's a scary moment to hear those Bro. words and realize. You know that's what's going on. Yeah, Man. And, uh, I don't know if you so this- if you knew this or not, but two years ago I had a heart attack. Uh, it's same thing. I I felt like I had gas. I swear that's yeah. what I thought it was. I was driving right. with my girl, right. and I stopped at a gas station, and I told her I said, "Go inside and get me some gas X or something." I said, "Well, I, you know, something right." And they didn't have it. Well, when she went inside, I got out of the car. And stood up. All of a sudden, I just started sweating. And brother, I took a flare bump right there in the uh, parking lot. Boom! Yeah, to my yeah. head open. Yeah. And then it felt like they woke me up. You know, I didn't have to be resuscitated. I kind of got up on my own. But there was people right. all around, and it felt like somebody had a screwdriver in my chest, just driving yeah. as hard as they could. Man, yeah, that is scary. I got I got three spents myself. Mm. Okay, so so they had the. the the, the surgeon was in there and he said, the other doctors will come in and talk to you about putting some stents in. He goes, I, at your age and for that amount of blockage, I don't think the stents are going to do you any good. And you'll be uh-huh. right back here in three months, have an open heart surgery. Uh-huh. And he said, you need to make a decision on what you want to do. And the guy walked and the surgeon walked out of the, the room and I was in there with my dad and my stepmom and my girlfriend. I looked over at my dad. And I said, I had made up my mind what I wanted to do. This guy, I loved his demeanor. I loved the way he talked. I loved his just calm manner. I look mm-hmm. over my dad. I said, Dad, what do you think? He said, that man needs to do your surgery. And mm-hmm. I had surgery on Wednesday. Went under for a triple bypass. They mm-hmm. got in and found out I had two more blockages, Wolfie. I had Dang. a quintuple bypass. 
Oh, wow. I've never even heard of that. (laughs) I hadn't either. I was was a scrub nurse. I was a scrub nurse in the military. I worked in the operating room. I don't know anybody that's ever had quintuple bypass. Yeah. But they got in and found, found two more blockages. So I had a quintuple bypass on June 21st. And so the last couple months of my life has been a little different, been rehabbing. Uh, just, I, I was just released to get back in the gym and start actually lifting some light weights again the first week of August. So for huh. me, you know, I've been lifting since I was 16 years old and to be right. out of the gym is just my, you know, my life is like, what am I doing? And so yeah. I just kind of started to get back to normal, but man, it, it put me down. I, um, I was home for about two weeks and my yeah. surgical nurse said, you can go back to work as long as you're not lifting anything over five pounds and you're sitting down you know, because I have a personal training studio, and, yeah. and as long as you're just talking and not <laughs> lifting any weights or doing anything, you'll be okay. And but you know, I still get tired. I don't know how, how long did it take you to you felt like you got back to normal, Wolfie? I swear to you, man. I, like they, I was in the hospital for I think two days and yep. two or three. I can't remember, but yeah. uh, when I left. They were like, "Okay, you're good," and I'm like, "What do you mean? Uh, I, I, can I go to the gym?" And oh yeah, you're fine. You can do whatever you want. I was like, yeah. okay, and I and pretty much, was, I felt fine. I mean, it was weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's crazy, man. And then you're only, I think you're three years older than me. Uh, so you're born yes, in seventy. I was, I was born in seventy yep, three. Fifty three. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty three. Yep. Yeah. And and man, it's it's crazy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I felt like as soon as I hit like forty. Like everything started going to shit. Like my back, I gotta have back <laughs> surgery. I yep. gotta have hip surgery. Yeah. I'm yep. gonna mess yeah. my knees up. You know. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it just it goes that way. I think. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. That's the. Uh, I did not know that, man. That's. Uh, I'm glad you're good, man. And having experienced it myself, I feel for you, man. Because I know yeah, that I'm, that is something I, I tell people. I, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. That that surgery. Yeah. I was in, I was in ICU for two days. Yeah. And um. You know, it, it it was a bear, and I got you know, I've got the big scar running down my chest now. You know, all oh, the way yeah. down, and the whole nine yards, and um, so. But it's like you said, it's like you at a certain age, and all those bumps, and all the chair shots, and tables, and yeah. all the crazy stuff you and I did when we were younger. I, mm-hmm. It's kind of starting to catch up with you a little bit. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And my, my, big, and, my biggest fear, I was I was telling my surgeon about my past drug use. Right. To me, yeah. that, that that obviously had something to do with my heart attack. And he uh-huh. looked at me and said, he said, son, I'm not trying to burst your bubble here. He said, but yours is more due to hereditary than anything else in genetics. He said, yeah. drug abuse didn't have anything to do with this. Huh. I'm like, huh. All right. So, you know yeah. what they told me, and and I mean, obviously, I partied too, man. So I kind of <laughs> thought that was part of it as well, right? But yeah, what scares me the most, though, I, I was started thinking like, and I was never a huge juice guy, but I did right. my fair share, and I think yeah. that contributed to it more than anything, and heredity because my mom had that shit too. Right, right, and, and see, that's why when I was talking to him, I knew my grandmother had died early of heart disease, but what I didn't realize was both of her brothers and my great-grandfather all died of heart disease early. So that, that, that kind of on that side of my family, a little further back, like my mom and dad are great, um, but health-wise, you know, I've got some of that in the family history, and that's what my surgeon was really lean on. He said, I don't think it's anything you've done, whether, whether it be the recreational drugs or the gas or anything else, mm-hmm. had an issue to do with your blockages. I think that's yeah. totally hereditary. So. Wow. Um, but yeah, I canceled all my shows for the rest of the year and I, 
I've already taken some bookings. I'm going to start back in January next year. I got mm-hmm. the rest of this year off. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was kind of an eye open experience, and and I'm thankful that I'm still here and and yeah. trying to live each day, you know, as, as a gift. Because if God had been ready for me to come home, He would took me home that night. Because I couldn't yeah. imagine dealing with much much worse pain. Yeah. Hey, it, it changes your outlook, don't it? Yeah, yes, sir. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, for me, and and we'll we'll get on for for the listeners right now. If something's bothering you, go to the damn doctor. That let this yes, be the sir. Don't be a hard. Go head. to the doctor. Yes. Take care of yourself. Um, but yeah, man, it's just it changes your outlook. And I get. I mean, I started. I've. I don't think I've ever been a horrible eater, but. I've tried to really, you know, of course, the saturated fat and all that kind of stuff. I try to look at now and eat differently a little bit. Right. It's hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love my uh, good junk food and stuff. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, man, that's uh, we're, we're glad you're with us, man. Absolutely. But yeah. We will uh, get on to some wrestling talk. Uh, yeah, let's do and that. here's a, here's another question I want to ask you, man. I, I saw this, Shoot. and I maybe I already knew, and I forgot. Where is my boy Toad? Where is he at? Oh, the Toadster. So crazy story. <laughs> you you remember the Toadster from back in the day? You guys, you know, had some matches as a tag team together in there. Yeah, Toads. You know, he hit a point in his career of wrestling mm-hmm. where he didn't think he was going to go any further and felt like he had really put everything he had into it and mm-hmm. it really kind of just kind of tapped out. And mm-hmm. he, he, the last time he and I talked, he said, brother, I love you forever. He said, but just being around you guys and seeing you guys, it, it's a downer for me. And I hope you understand, but I just can't Damn. do it anymore. And um, he went to, he went to school to become a barber mm-hmm. and it actually had uh, two barber shops that was cutting hair. Uh, the last I heard. So Boom. I heard of him. So Toad became a barber. The and search continues. Started cutting hair. That's yeah. awesome. I've been wow. asked about him so many times, and I've asked so many people, and it's like he just went off the radar, man. He did, <laughs> totally. And, and we have a mutual friend who will randomly stop in and see him every once in a while in Raleigh and follow up with me. He's like, hey, I saw Toad. He said, hello, he's doing fine, and, you know, he wishes you well. But it, yeah. it was the weirdest thing because you know, we were roommates, we were tag team partners. I mean, we were inseparable for years. And yeah. to just lose a friend like that, it's almost like a death. But he said, man, I just can't do it anymore. I hope you guys understand. I just, to see you guys and talk about it just makes me crazy. So yeah. he kind of wrote himself off. But wow. yeah, what a good cat. You know, I, I was, loved I him, thinking, man. I loved him to death. Yeah. And I, he meshed so well with me and Jamie. I mean, we had oh, really yeah. good at WCW yeah. down there. And he, he brought us up to Kill Devil Hills for a show that he ran there one time. Yeah, what a weekend that was. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do remember. You were there. I do. Yes. I was yes. there. Yeah. I was there. And so was Jamie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So. I'm going to ask you the the old generic question. Sometimes yeah. I feel like every interview that I do for somebody else, that's the first, okay, so how'd you get into wrestling and who trained right. you and all that stuff? May, I mean, sum it up for me. Who You yeah. watched wrestling as a kid or what? Absolutely. You know, I grew up in the Carolinas. And for me, you oh, know, yeah. I grew up in the, in the mid-80s in North Carolina, right south of Greensboro. 
And so once a month, my dad used to take us to the Greensboro Coliseum to watch Mid-Atlantic and NWA. So I grew up on Slayer oh, and Dusty and yeah. Steamboat and Nikita and the rock and roll. You know, guys, we all ended up, thankfully, not only becoming friends with, but working with. And yeah. as a kid, you know, all those guys you looked up to and just idolized. And they were, you know, I jokingly tell dad I put myself through college, but he was the one by taking me to the Greensboro Coliseum, paid for my trade. Because I ended up wrestling and doing much better with that. And I did my political science degree. But, you know, the wrestling we got to see at the Greensboro Coliseum or Dorton Arena or even when we came to Charlotte for one of the shows, I just, I feel like to me still that was one of the most grandiose times in wrestling. Because I look back at that stuff today and I mm-hmm. just love all the things those guys did. And, you know, the, the story, from the storylines to the intensity of just the grown men wrestling. Um it's funny now, I have these young kids that I train, you know, mm-hmm. my school, I've got kids, uh, you know, I've got kids as young as 17 that are still in high school, and I've got right. guys as old as 50 who are like, I just want to learn how to do this, I'm never going to be on TV, but I just, yeah. I love it. But some of my young kids, <laughs> you, you'll love this, Wolfie, they're like, you know, they, they, they're growing up on some of the AEW product and some of the yeah. WWE oh, yeah. stuff, and it's just different, and I, I don't yeah. I don't be one of those bitter, bitter old vets or like, ah, wrestling sucks today. It's just yeah. different than what we did. That's all. Yeah. It's just not the That's same. It's, it's not what I signed up for. Well, they learned on it's video not. games. They learned on video. Yeah. So it's spot for well, spot. It's not a story. Uh, you know? <laughs> and that's what you'll love this. So I, I, I get these young kids and they didn't grow up on any of the old WCW stuff. Like even before I got there, the old NWA stuff. Yeah. And it's funny how many of these young kids that are high school kids, when I show them like some of the old stuff, they're like, mm-hmm. man, and they make it look so real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking amazing. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Isn't that our job? We're not signing up for certain to lay. We're signing up to be a professional wrestler. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, but it, it's just when they're like, and they, they all say it to the same degree. They're like, man, they make it look like they're really hurting each other. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. God forbid, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh boy. Okay, so Wolfie's voice in his head when he thinks of wrestling, the voice is Lance Russell. Please tell him the voice that you hear in your head. Oh, man. Bob Cottle. Bob Cottle. Hello. That's it. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's got to be. That's, that, that's yeah. my childhood, you know? That's the voice. Every, yeah. Every yeah. Saturday morning, you know, they'd have the taping that they did. You know, they'd do the taping out of RAL Studios there in Raleigh. And they put it on Saturday morning, and you know they used that show to drive you to the Coliseum that night to watch the big show. Yeah, and it yeah. was you know they'd always leave you hanging at the end, and they did a great <laughs> job. And for for a nine, ten, eleven, twelve year old kid, man, it was all that in a bag of chips. So yeah. you know, grow up being a huge fan and, and going through college, I ended up living with a guy who was a an indie uh, professional wrestler, and he he wanted me to wrestle while I was in college, but I was working seven nights a week as a bouncer, put myself through school and. Like mm. I said, I was in the reserves. I just didn't have time to go on the yeah. road and, and pay, for, pay for my wrestling habit. And mm-hmm. uh, I opened up a personal training studio once I graduated college. And a guy stopped in one day and said, hey, would you like to sponsor a local wrestling show? And I said, of course, I'm a wrestling fan. We get to talking. And he's like, hey, my wrestling trainer really needs to get in better shape. If you ever thought about wrestling, maybe you could train him in the gym. And he could train you in the ring. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a cool deal. And it turned out to be C.W. Anderson. Wow. And so okay. C.W. C. W. was my trainer. And that's how I met Toad. 
yeah. Toad came in. Toad came into the gym where I was working out, not my gym, but the gym where I trained. And right after I started wrestling, he goes, "Hey, I want to get into wrestling." And somebody told me, "You know a guy," and it was CW. Uh, and he was up in Smithfield. We were in Greenville because I went to East Carolina University. So we're about mm-hmm. an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes away from CW school, but we would go up on Tuesday and Thursday nights and train under CW. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the business has changed so much from when Wolfie broke in and I broke in. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been to four practices, and I tell this story to my kids because they've got it. I think they have it so easy. Mm-hmm. I, showed up, I showed up for my fifth practice. And mm-hmm. I put my boots on or whatever, and CW looks over at me. He's in the ring with somebody already, and he's like, "Ah, meathead, you're gonna keep coming back, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. Why wouldn't I?" He said, "Okay, tonight I'm gonna <laughs> teach you how to work." He said, "Tonight we'll start teaching you how to work." And I'm like, "I'm looking around. I'm like, bro, this is my fifth night here. Uh, it's not my first night." He goes, "Oh yeah, but those other nights I was just punching and kicking you to see if you quit." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "He goes, that's not wrestling. I just beat you up because I didn't, I didn't think you'd stick it out." The first four nights of practice was just basically getting beat up and not knowing any better and too dumb to quit and kept coming yeah. back. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's how he started. You know, then we started actually learning how to wrestle and work. And probably two months later, I had my first match and obviously was not ready and totally no. green and terrible and awful and all that good stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know how that goes. But I got yeah. kids now that I, I just – I really am so blessed to be able to run a school – at this point in my life and have so many just good kids come out to learn. And then they're, they're mm-hmm. teachable and coachable. And I, I've had so few bad apples out of the guys I've had since 2018. It's really been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed working with all of them. It's, it's been awesome. really cool. Let yeah. me ask you this, yeah. man, your, uh, your Wikipedia, uh, yep. list a very uh, instrumental guy in my career as one of your trainers. It says George Weingroff. Is that correct? So how that got on there, George came down to one of Toad's shows mm-hmm. down at the beach because George uh-huh. was, bl- you know, George is legally blind, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that, that whole thing was for the Lions Club we did down there at Nag Center every year to raise money for the, the blind fishing tournament where they bring the blind people in North Carolina. They gotcha. bring in a couple hundred every year for, for three days down at the coast, and they would take them fishing and take them out of the boat, out on the pier. And basically, mm-hmm. it was a three-day thing for those guys to learn how to live a more effective or a more efficient life, you know, even with the the, the, the blindness or whatever they were dealing yeah. with. But, yeah. but George was at a show, mm-hmm. and he had actually come to be a, a guest at, at one of those shows. And he sat mm-hmm. in the front row one night and watched us wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. Mm-hmm. And I guess at this point, Toad and I might have been wrestling a year and a half or so. And we were mm-hmm. back in our hotel room, and there was a knock on the door. And George walks in, and it's like 11.30 or whatever. He goes, can I talk to you gentlemen for a minute? And we're like, sure. What's up, George? He goes, hey, I um, I sat in the front row tonight, and I watched your match, and I feel like you guys are good enough. If you want, you can probably headline armories and high school gyms for as long as you want to be a main event at any level. You know, you, you could do this. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to make some real money, I got a good friend, Pez Wally, who's one of the mm-hmm. trainers down at WCW, and I'll be glad to put in a phone call for you guys if you guys want to go down and try out at the power plant and see if you can get into WCW school and go down mm. to Atlanta and make you guys some real money. Yeah. So if you're interested, give me a call. I said my piece, and he turned around and walked out. <laughs> and I looked at I looked at Toad, and at that point, we really never had any desire to go to WCW at that point. We'd only been wrestling, like I said, a year and a half, and, to- 
and Tobe was kind of leaning towards wanting to go to ECW, and I was just having fun with it for a while, and mm-hmm. we said, what do you think? And uh, we called down to Pez, and they had a tryout in three weeks, and Tobe and I did some work to get in a little better shape, and we went down for that crazy power plant tryout. And uh, it was a three-day tryout. We had 27 guys show up. Mm. And at the end of the third day, there were three of us left. And yeah. Toad quit the second Toad quit the second day. And it was just <laughs> – it was brutal. He pulled me aside. He goes, he goes, hey, man, you keep going. He said, you're killing it. He goes, I can't do this. This is too hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, here was the thing, and I'm sure you guys have touched on this or talked about it before, but if you haven't had anybody on that went through the power plant tryout – it was yeah. just a moneymaker for WCW. Right. They, yeah. they, they, didn't, they didn't need any more wrestlers. They had 180 guys under contract. Right. But, once right. a, but once a month, they had 25 to 40 guys show up paying 250 bucks a piece yeah. to try out. And Sarge ran half of them off you know, within the first two hours right. of the first day. Yeah. So it was just, you know, that, that was a money-making gimmick hand over fist, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But they, and then, so at the end of the day on Friday, they're like, okay, you made it. Congratulations. We're inviting you to come back and, and you know go to school now. It's five thousand. Then you had to pay five thousand dollars to go to school and be trained. And so you know, just because you made it through the trial, that was not a guarantee you'd be on TV. So um, I, you know, went through that deal, moved down to Atlanta a week later, and uh, that's where I met Raven. Uh, after about a month, month and a half, we were out at a bar one night, me and Johnny Attitude, and mm-hmm. uh, Raven had just come down from ECW and. and and Johnny saw him from across the bar. And I said, hey, I know Raven. I'm going to say hello to him. Let's go say hello. I'm like, I don't know him. I don't want to bug him. And uh, Johnny goes over to say hello. And he comes back. He goes, hey, man, Raven wants to talk to you. I said, what? How did, he didn't even know me. He goes, no, but he's looking for a personal trainer. And I told him that's what you did before you came down to Atlanta. So uh. I went over. We talked about 15 minutes. And Raven hired me on the spot to be his personal trainer. Oh, so okay. that's how our whole relationship started as me being his personal trainer, he gave me his address that night and said, come pick me up tomorrow at one o'clock and we'll go to the gym. Cause we're both trained at main event fitness. Yeah. And so I went and picked him up the next day. And after about a week and a half or two weeks of training, he said, Hey kid, you know, you're pretty good at training me and stuff, but you know, I'm going some on the weekend, you know, during the week or whatever home on the weekends, would you be interested in being my personal assistant? And mm-hmm. I said, what does that entail? He said, I'll pick it up my dry cleaning, you know, Man, off my pictures, whatever I need to have done, I'll yeah. pay 300 bucks a week. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I said, I said, as long as I can still do my wrestling, you know, why not? So the funny thing is everybody saw our relationship on TV, but our relationship on TV that we, you know, put there was really our relationship in real life. Yeah. I'd go over, a lot of guys did, you know, I'd go over every morning and I'd wake Raven up about, you know, 1130, 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'd wake him up. I'd go downstairs and make him his egg whites or whatever. And, He'd eat, he'd eat his breakfast, and we'd go to the gym and train, and then hang out for the rest of the day. But, uh, yeah, that, that's how we started, and, um, and Raven was very instrumental in getting me, obviously, a job in the flock. I had done a couple of jobs down at Disney for the, WW, the, the WCW uh, Pro. That show they had on Saturday mornings with a ring. It's fun that they did down at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And I went down there, got to do that, and, you know, we were, we were sitting in a bar one night, and this is probably one of my craziest wrestling stories. It was 1130 on a Thursday night. And Raven's like, dude, I'm home every weekend, but you're going doing indie shows. I'm, you know, I really wish you were on the road with me. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I'd love to be on the road, too, if I had a job with WCW. That'd be great. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, hang on a second. And he picks up the phone and calls Terry Taylor, who was the booker at the time. 
uh-huh. like the mid-card guys down at Atlanta. And I, I'm only hearing Raven's side of the deal. And he's like, Terry, you know Brad Kane down at the power plant? Yeah. How about if I put him in the flock on Monday at Nitro? Will that work? You know, because Stevie had just gotten hurt. And Stevie Richards was out. Uh-huh. And, Raven, and, this, and Raven's side of the conversation goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. My bad. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank you anyway. I understand. That's good. Well, thanks. Click. It just didn't sound good. And yeah. He looks at me, and I'm like, I'm like, well, that didn't go so well. He goes, oh, it went great. I said, what do you mean it went great? It didn't sound like he wants me on the road. He goes, I want you on the road Monday at Nitro. I forgot. We got a pay-per-view Sunday. You start Sunday at the Auburn Hills at the Palace. <laughs> That's <pay-per-view>. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm like but, here, but here's the thing. So it's Thursday night at 11, 30, 12. We're in a bar. I can't remember the name of the bar, but it was right behind Raven's house in Atlanta. We could walk there. Mm. And we had to fly for the pay-per-view Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And Raven's like, go ahead and book your flight on, book, book your seat on this flight. WCW will pay you back. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? I'm like, you know, I'm just going on Raven's word here. Right. And, um, but he looks over at me, and I've got, you know, short, dark hair at the time. He goes, eh, you don't really look like a star. We need to make you a star. Uh, <laughs> well, what, what, let's, make, let's make you Billy Idol. Yes. Go, go dye your hair. Go dye your hair blonde tomorrow. Go down to five points, get you some black leather pants, get you some boots, get you a glove, get you some chains. And so <laughs> it's Thursday night. I've got one day to get all this done because my flight's at like eight o'clock on Saturday morning to fly yeah. to Detroit. And mm-hmm. we put that whole outfit together in a day and I fly out and the rest is kind of history. Dude, you uh, look just uh, yeah. like Billy Idol, man. You really did. <laughs> yeah, you know. It was, moody, it was so moody. Because they wa- yeah, they wanted to call me Idol. But then Billy Idol's got a copyright on that look and that name. Yeah. And so the, the, the WW lawyers took pictures and everything, and they're like, if you infringe on more than, I think it's 67 or 68% of that look, they can't use that name. They're like, bro, you're 99% Billy Idol. We can't call you Idol. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. why don't we just call me Lodi, which is Idol spelled backwards. And so there's the name, and you know, here we are. <laughs> That's almost pretty 30 cool. Years, almost 30 years later, still doing it. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, what's funny too, man, is when you start talking about Raven. Okay, so I, I meet Raven in 1993, Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's two totally different people, I promise you, man, because like by the time, you know, me and Jamie go to uh, uh, ECW and he's raving at that point, and we hadn't seen him in, I guess, what, five years or something like that. Yeah. Was, I don't mean just the look. I mean, like Scotty back then was happier <laughs> funnier yeah. and and, and yeah. when he did the raven characters like he became this grouchy fucker and uh yeah i, I used to tell him i'd say i say man i don't i don't know raven i know scotty but i don't know no raven <laughs> yeah exactly uh, there were lots of times i wish we could have scotty back yeah uh, yeah that great but you know he's so grumpy he and i used to we would have an argument over like what color the sky is like it's light blue he's like no that's pale blue and we could turn that into a two-day conversation. <laughs> you know, we, we, we couldn't figure out why we argued all the time. And some of our closest friends were like, and then I'll never forget, I was, we were bitching and moaning about something. And, you know, we argued just like cats and dogs, kind of like brothers. And yeah. um, I'm like, Raven, you know, why, why are you being belligerent? And they always called me belligerent. And I, so I turned it around on him. I'm like, what are you getting me for my birthday? And he's like, what are you getting me? I'm like, well, my birthday's coming up. He goes, my birthday's coming up. But we both have the same birthday. We're both, born on, we're both born on September the 8th. And so I never put a whole lot of stock in the uh, astrological science or any of that stuff. But 
everybody yeah. we know are like, yeah, you two guys are a whole lot alike, and that's probably why you guys <laughs> get along and, and don't get along like that. Yeah. So I, I like to think he's mellowed out a little bit in the last couple of years. Have yeah. you talked to him lately, Wolfie? The last time I saw him was probably, I don't know, five, ten years ago, something like that. It's been a minute. Yeah, so so he, he he's, he's mellowed out a little bit, but the flip side of that, you, you and I were talking about the injuries and stuff catching up with us. Mm-hmm. He just had he just had his second shoulder replacement surgery mm. two weeks ago, and mm. he's had both of his knees done. I think he had one of his hips done. He's yeah. had the whole nine yards too. So yeah, he, he's got the stints in the heart as well. Mm. So so uh, in in '93, there's me and Jamie and Scotty Flamingo going down the road, you know, doing the ter- the Memphis territory. We're yeah. in our me and Jamie had this uh, 77 rusted out Thunderbird that's got a lot of famous stories about it. But we have a, I can't remember where we had a flat tire because that happened a lot because we buy them retreads. <laughs> but, uh, of course. <laughs> we have a blowout. And luckily we we had it like at an exit where there was a truck stop, you know? So it, I, right. I think it might've actually been something besides a, a flat tire. But anyway, Here's us three in this big, heavy 77 car pushing this thing over the the overpass. And I'm telling you, oh, you, know, no. so you know how an overpass, sometimes they look flat. But then you, yeah. when you really walk in something, you notice that it's a gradual incline. <laughs> yes, sir. It was yeah, brutal. Push it up, up here. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. And then the time, I, I love, I love Scotty Raven. What are you calling? I love him to death, man. But the t- there was one time in TNA when I really, really, it was crossing my mind to just punch him in the face in the locker room because uh, James Mitchell was my manager. He was my meal ticket, uh, and that was his. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. we we had to we ended up shaving uh, Scotty's head. And yeah, yeah. Jim gaffed the shit out of his head. I mean, he had oh, cuts did, all yeah. over him. Yeah. And so he comes back to the back and he's all up in Jim's face, like seriously, like pie facing him and cussing him and, and all this shit. And I, in my head, I'm going, that takes a real bad motherfucker to, you know, browbeat Jim Mitchell. Come on. And, and exactly. it just made me mad. And I mean, I, I told Jim later, I said, dude, I was about to jump on his ass. <laughs> but then I thought ah, I'll get fired. So I didn't, but well, I love real him. Real quick. I, I, I knew about that. What, what, and of course I know James too. What was the deal with James cutting his head so bad? He has never used clippers before. Well, no, Don Harris gave him a bad set. Of, it was like yeah. sheep shears or something. It was, and I think they were uh, dull. Yeah, and then you know Raven's got that thick hair too. I mean, he, oh, not, he was, yeah. and it was wet and sweaty and shit. Yeah, right, 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 right. I I'm did. sorry, I, I shouldn't have told this story for Wolfie. He just told it on our show, so I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, it was, uh, it was just one of those nights. But Jimmy, I am fixing to give you the hot tag, and I need you to come in a house of fire, brother. All right, I'm coming in. All right, so, all right, so back in the day, I was in a band. I've told this story a million times, and we always watched Nitro. We were not raw guys we always watch nitro okay and so we would in the band we would all pick like our favorite underneath guy you know the job guys or whatever okay and you know like one guy would like roadblock and another guy i like joe gomez and that kind of stuff well then the flock came around and y'all were just like a band i mean y'all really were like (laughs) y'all look like a bunch of rock stars you know and so my drummer he was a big billy idol fan he was like oh dude that's my guy right there and i always ended up picking 
Sick Boy, man. And so, you know, he he got to you first. Let's just say that. And then Sick Boy comes along. So tell me, man, whatever happened to him, dude? I always thought not only did you have a lot of talent to go further with it, whatever happened to Sick Boy, man? You know what? You're not going to believe this, but um, I just got a text from him at 12.06. Really? And yeah, just now. Yeah, he just texted me. So he, he's one. I, I I don't know that he stays in touch with anybody else in wrestling besides me. Um, yeah. This may, this may blow your mind, and I, this I don't think this is on my Wikipedia page. But I'm an ordained minister now. I wow. actually married I actually married sick boy uh, to his wife back in May. That's cool, uh, man. April or May of this year. Yeah, but wow. he just texted me and said, "I think it's probably the video." It's it's a Instagram video of Ricky Stark sitting Brian Danielson's leg with a chair. Oh, it's horrible. So, yeah. Oh, yeah well, did he hit it? <laughs> he hit the post, he, right? He didn't hit, he hit the leg. The, yeah, exactly. He hit the post. And, and I, I haven't pulled it up yet. But Brian, Brian selling it is the worst part. Actually. Oh, it's 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 well, bad. It's real bad. Well, so so it, it's tap because Sick Boy is one of those Android people. So yeah. I got I've got to click on the link to see what it is. But, yeah, but here, here, here's the what he sent me in four words, and Brian sold it. So I know. Yeah, what <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's the worst <laughs> part of it. It's the chair shot. Yeah, yeah dude. you know what? No, he he had a look about him, and you know what? His athleticism was off the charts. Really was. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness! You know he it's like there are some guys who you see them on TV, and and you don't necessarily get to see athletically what they can really do. Yeah. He was one of those guys and sick boy. It's funny. He always wait, you know, sick boy is six, five, almost six, six. He's a tall cat. Mm-hmm. And he always stayed around two forty five, two fifty. Well, now he runs about two eighty five, two ninety, mm. And it's not, a, it's not a bad way. You see him, you would never look at him and be like, Oh, he's out of shape or, Oh, he's fat. He's yeah. not, he's not a shred, he's not a shredded 290 or 280, but he carries it really well. And he's crazy athletic to the point of where he never wrestles anymore unless I call him like, Hey, I got a booking for us. Can you do it? And he'll Mm -hmm. tag with me and that's all he'll do. I feel so bad about bringing him into a locker room because as, as Wolfie, I don't know, Wolfie, when's the last time you did him? Do you you wrestle anymore, Wolfie? Uh, The last show I did was the bunkhouse battle Royal on Ric Flair's last match. (laughs) He picks the big ones now. He just goes for the big ones. <laughs> so you've been, a, but you've been around enough for the boys today. Where, like, well, yeah. you, you're taller than I am. Like, you've got to be a giant in the locker room now, yeah. like in a regular indie locker room. You're yeah. a tall dude. Like, yeah. I was one of the short guys at WCW. And for me yeah. to walk around and see these guys, but when I walk into a locker room now, I bring Sick Boy with me. I'm like, I tell every promoter, I'm like, why don't you make him your world champ or your heavyweight <laughs> champion? You know, because everybody, it looks like a man among boys. It's right. so ridiculous how big he is. Yeah, compared to the, the majority of the guys that wrestle today. Oh yeah, and, and that that's another thing that I have a hard time getting used to. It's like I enjoy watching Nikita, and I enjoy watching the Legion of Doom, and I enjoy yeah. watching you know big muscular guys actually wrestle, and right. I'm just not used to watching soccer players wrestle. Right, <laughs> that's so true. Right. That's, that's a good that's, yeah. That's really good. That's that's kind of where I am. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's a very good uh, analogy there. Well, but we'll I'm, talk, I'm, but, sound, yeah. I, I, I'm sounding like that bitter old veteran. Are you? I, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy because some of the things they do today, 
at my best, I could never pull off. I mean, exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh my goodness, they're phenomenal, and right. the risk they take and stuff. I just, I, I wonder how long they're going to be around. Wolfie and I talk about, you know, breaking down at forty. I'm wondering if these guys are going to make it to thirty. Dude, I've said you that know? on here a number of times. I yeah. think that the, you're not going to see. Uh, the Ricky Mortons and, you know, the no. Undertakers and the people that, you know, the Bill Dundee's even, man, that go in the Lawlers that go into the yeah. 60s yeah. and 70s. You ain't going to see that. The, no. the, no. the shelf there, life of these no things way. is short. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll have to get yeah. Sick Boy on the show sometime. You'll We'll talk about that later. So <laughs> he, he would, he, I'm telling you, he would love to do it. He would be a good guest. Yeah. Uh, All right. We'll make that happen. All well, right. There you so, go. Yeah. yeah. Just, just book him on the spot, why don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll do it. <laughs> he, he did a much better job of staying sober, so he's going to remember a whole lot more than I do. Okay. That, okay. That, that'll make him a better guest. Yeah. Like, if I could only remember half the stories I forgot, I could be so much more entertaining. I yeah. swear, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. So let me ask you this. Speaking of maybe hurting your memory, your brain cells, yeah. <laughs> your very first match on Monday Nitro is yes. on, is against Chris Benoit, man. Seriously. Yes. Talk about that. You know what? I, to this day, um, you know, a lot of people harbor a lot of resentment or anger towards Chris and what he did and how mm. he ended his life. You know, Nancy, his son, all that stuff. When I came into the flock, and started on TV, Raven was in his first feud with Benoit. So we were working with Benoit every single night. Mm. And that, that was my, in, you know, that was my intro into WCW. And then my first match, of course, was, ben, was with Benoit. And we were doing an angle where Raven uh, was out. He had uh, pancreatitis. He was in the hospital for like 11 days and mm. almost died. And so while he was in the hospital, they had to come up with an angle to keep everything going. So what they set up was 
before Benoit could get back at Raven, he had to go through everybody in the flock. So at every TV, we, I think we were in Knoxville, Tennessee, and, or Chattanooga, and Sick Boy had just wrestled Benoit. And we were back in the back talking, and, and Terry looks at me and goes, all right, he said, you got Benoit next week. And uh, we were going to be in Buffalo. So I had a week to think about this match. It was going to be my first Nitro match. And again, like you said, against Chris Benoit. And so we brought Tote up earlier, which was great, because Tote was my roommate down in Atlanta. And I got home, and I'm like, Tote, guess what? My first Nitro match is going to be against freaking Benoit next week. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, man, you know he's going to plan that match. But if you could plan it out, how do you think this would go? Or how mm-hmm. should it go? And Tote and I put this whole thing together where if it was up to me, you know, because we had to come over the rail, and Benoit said, like, you know, I hadn't had a match yet. But the fans absolutely hated my guts. Mm-hmm. I've been on TV for about three months at the time. And he said, I think Benoit needs to, you know, chop you off the ring and beat you up around the ring, blah, blah, blah. Cut him off, get your heat. But when you go home, Benoit was still using three finishes back then. He mm-hmm. would either do the cross face, the diving headbutt, or the superplex. He would use one of those three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes, and Toad was like, how cool would it be if he hit you with all three? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, that'd be cool. And so, but we, but we, as we put this together, we're laughing. We're like, you know, I've never even had a match on TV. Obviously, I'm going to have no say in this. Whatever right. Chris wants to do, we're going to do. Yeah. So mon- Monday, Monday rolls around. And, and again, this is one of my coolest wrestling stories. We had to be at the building at 2. I see, I see Chris and Cater at like 2.30. And I walk over and I'm like, hey, Chris, you know, we, I, I get to work with you tonight. Whenever you want to get together and put together what we're going to do, just let me know, and I'm here for you whenever you're ready. And he's like, sure, Lodi, we'll get together later. And so 4 o'clock rolls around, and I see Benoit again. I'm like, hey, just whenever you're ready to get together. He goes, okay, Lodi, whatever, we'll get together later. <laughs> so we, we haven't talked yet. It's like 6 o'clock, and um, I'm looking for Benoit. I can't find him. <laughs> and so no, no big deal. 7 o'clock rolls around. Now, the show goes live at 8. And back in those days, I don't know if you remember or not, but the flock, we always sat in the front row at Nitro, yeah, Thunder or whatever. And so some nights we came down through the crowd after the second or third match, and some nights Raven wanted to be out there when the show started. So our yeah. seats were empty waiting on us. And so it's like 7.15, and I'm like, hey, Raven, are we going out before the show or are we going out during the show? And so one thing that Raven and Saturn and all of us would do, when we're sitting out there, we're sitting the marks to get us beer. <laughs> and so we're sitting in the front row, but the marks are just bringing us beer all night long. So we're sitting out there getting hammered at ringside. And, 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 you know, we didn't have any backstage. And Raven was drinking a lot back then. But now this was, he, you know, had the pancreatitis. He was getting ready to stop drinking because that's what gave him the pancreatitis. Yeah. And, or, or cut back. And so he wasn't there that night. And so I remember saying, Saturn, when are we going to go out? Because Saturn was kind of in charge. He goes, ah, let's go out before the show starts. Well, that means we've got to go out at 7.45. Well, it's 7.15, and I haven't even talked to Christian about our match. <laughs> and now, so I've got 30 minutes before we're walking out, and I'm looking everywhere backstage for Benoit. I can't find him. And now I'm starting to get a little nervous. Not that I need every single move planned out, but it's my first live match on Nitro yeah. against Chris Benoit. I want it to be good. I knew right. Raven was sitting at home watching. Uh-huh. And so it's about 7.40, and I'm like, Saturn, what do you want me to do? I can't find him. He said, look for him one more time. If not, you guys can just call it in the ring. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not what I want to do, but <laughs> I'll just trust Benoit. 
So it's like 7.40, and I'm going back to where they were all waiting on me. Well, Ben Wall walks around out of one of the locker rooms or whatever. I'm like, Chris, can we please talk for just a second? And he looks at his watch, and he, I can tell he's getting frustrated. He's like, Lodi, we're not even until the second hour. What's the big deal? I'm like, no, we're going out before the show starts. We're walking out right now. Can we just at least kind of get an idea of what we want to do? And he looks at me, and he goes, what would you like to do, Lodi? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, it's like it's like everything in my life stopped for a second because I'm like, hold on a second. Then why just ask me what do I want to do? Yeah. And I've got this match that Toad and I had come up with in my head. So I'm like, how about we do this, Chris? And I'm like, I'll climb over the rail, glide me off the apron, chop me all around, boom, boom, boom. I lay the whole thing out for him, the three finishes, everything. And uh-huh. I look at him thinking he's going to be like, that sucks. Or yeah. he's going to look at me and be like, yeah, we're not doing that. He looks yeah. at me and goes, out there turns around walks off uh-huh. and i'm like huh so we go inside <laughs> yeah cliffhanger like okay so what you know he said see out there i guess he liked it so anyway the match starts and I, you know I, I gave it to him one time well then you know guys are like this he yeah. does everything exactly like i laid out to him we yeah. get to the part where i'm supposed to cut him off nick patrick leans in we'd run over to the next hour he goes raw's getting ready to go live Sorry, boys, we got to go home. Ben was like, "Sorry, we got to go to the um, superplex." He sits me up on top, superplex, diving headbutt, crossface goes over. But everything was like Raven called me. Everybody's like, "Dude, that was great. It was so funny because Booker T and Stevie Ray were backstage, and they were like, "When did you learn how to work?" I'm like, "What do you mean when did I learn how to work?" They're like, "Wow, we didn't know you could work. We thought you were one of Raven's boys, one of Raven's drug boys. I didn't know you could actually wrestle." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, great." <laughs> you know, but that that was that was my intro to to WCW, my first match, and you know Benoit was like he was phenomenal. I, I tell people to this day, he was the best I was ever in the ring with. He just he he was that good. Yeah, you know? that's what Kurt Angle said too. And I mean At, Kurt, you know if Kurt says it, I mean you said it. Kurt said it, it's pretty much yeah. Yeah. Well, he Kurt's was, been in know, the ring with me, so he's full of shit. <laughs> Good point. He, meant, he meant to say second what was i thinking uh, yeah. you, know, you know it, it just hit me i was thinking about this while we were talking about the raven thing uh-huh. you don't remember this i bet but you know did you did you do toad show down at the beach once or twice you guys come down once or twice for that show? i think once you guys were there when i wrestled hammer and they shaved my head i don't remember you know, i've got a picture you guys are in the <laughs> ring holding me while, while hammer shaving my head oh really yeah yeah, I got my hair because I had just come off. I had just come off TV, and I want to change my look up. And so I've got a picture of you guys holding my arms while hammer shaving my head. Wow! I just I, I just thought of that. Uh, we talking about that a second ago. Me, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's at the office. I'll text and send that to you later today. Yeah, please do because we'll actually we can use that for the uh, the promo for you coming on the show. Yeah, man. Oh, cool. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing I really remember about that just I remember the name because it's so n- unique, Kill Devil Hills, uh, and I yeah. remember how long the drive was from Nashville. Oh, brother! <laughs> and I remember eating. Uh, what was that? I, I had a shirt from this bar that we went to and ate and drank. Probably I can't remember. It was something funny. I think it had. Yeah. It was one of those shirts that kind of looked like the Big Johnson shirts at the time. That's <laughs> yeah. not what it was, yeah. but I don't know. I can't remember. That's what I do remember about that uh, trip. <laughs> yeah, oh. not my match. <laughs> I don't even know who I worked. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I think, did you guys do a six-man with Toad, or did you wrestle against Toad? Do you remember? I have no clue. But no clue, huh? Yeah. That's, that's been a I, minute. <laughs> it, it has. I think it was 2000, 2001. So you're looking at had to probably be ago. 2000 because 2000 by 2001 I was slash and I was in TNA. Okay, so, there you uh, go. So it was 2000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, okay, I vaguely remember a story, and I'm thinking you were there for this. Uh, Do you remember you guys, you and Jamie, you were at somebody's house, and there was like oh a God. quarter of a joint, <laughs> a quarter of a joint left. And Jamie was fighting over the guy, and Jamie ends up eating the guy's joint. Do you remember oh, that? Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't remember it, but I believe it. Uh, <laughs> it was like the, the guy was the guy was like there was like just a quarter of a joint left. The guy was trying to keep it, and Jamie was trying to take it from him, and they were kind of going back and forth. And Jamie's like, "Well, I'll show you," and he just ate it right in front of him. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. believe that. Nobody gets I, it. I really yeah. think I've seen him do that before to somebody else. So. Oh, yeah. Possibly man. me. I don't, I don't remember. We, we weren't there for that. You guys came back to the house or wherever we were staying or something <laughs> and explaining this story. And Jamie was bragging. He's like, he wanted to fight over So I showed him. I just made <laughs> that. <laughs> that's that's so Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You brought up Hammer. I would love yeah. to know because I'm I'm a massive Flock fan. I really am, and I, yeah. I'm not because, like I said, y'all were like a rock band, but you were wrestlers. You know what I mean? And yeah. tell me, how was the? How did everybody? Did y'all get along? Did everybody just was everybody buddies, or was there people you in the what? Flock that you didn't like? Or we we did get along, and I think that was you know there there were some guys who had great chemistry on TV. And I think it came from some of the relationships they had off screen, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lenny, Lenny and I, when we were tag partners, we did not know each other before we came up with this gimmick. Right. And he and I, he and I became so close and just our chemistry. I've never had with another individual in the ring in my life. Like we did. So okay. It was just one of those things. And so when it, but going back to the flock, we all went out together almost every night. Uh, we were on the road. And so we spent so much time together. And for 95% of the time, I would say we all got along. Probably my first five months on the road, Perry Saturn wanted to kill me. He hated <laughs> my guts. And what? I didn't understand why. And Raven tried to explain to me was I, because I'd only done a year and a half on the Indies, yeah, a couple of months at the power plant and was thrown on the TV. I was greener than grass. Yeah. But I was getting a huge reaction from the fans. And here you've got Perry Saturn who wrestled in Japan, DCW, and wrestled for 15 years to yeah. get to that point. And he just didn't thought I was – he didn't think I was respectful. And in my green – I was so green, I was blue and yellow. <laughs> I didn't realize how green I was. And I thought I deserved to be there. I'd earn my spot. Yeah. And so we, we butted heads a lot. And Raven told me, he's like, bro, I shoot once a week. I have to tell Saturn he can't kill you because he legit wants to rip your head off. <laughs> wow. and, I'm like, and, and over time, I, became, I came to realize he was trying to help me. And I, and I was wrong. He was right. And if you remember, towards the end of the flock for our breakup, we did the whole big thing where 
I beat him in a match and he was subservient and my right, slave right. for 30 days to the pay-per-view. Yep. And that, yep. that was all his idea. And it helped get us both over even more, you yeah. know? And so that was something that we, we became much closer. Uh, in the beginning, Raven was not a big fan of Hammer. Uh, didn't want Hammer in the flock, but that was a favor to Paige. Yeah. And it was funny because Hammer messed up a couple of spots early on. And I remember before I was even in the flock, but I remember being in the car with Paige and uh, Raven and listening to them bitch back and forth about it. And Paige tell him, like, I don't care. It's your gig, but you got to make sure he's where he's supposed to be. That's your job. And yeah. so, um, yeah, he, he was put in the flock because as a favor to Paige. We nice. actually talk about Perry a lot on, on here, man, uh, because yeah. um, when me and Jamie, we had left the Memphis for a minute, went to Mexico, came back, and right. the Eliminators were there as the champions. And our first night in, you know, they put us together. The people go crazy. We win the belts, and we did not drop them back, but we had to work with them for, uh, I don't know, a month or two or something like that. Yeah. And it yeah. was fucking brutal, bro. And there was nights because I knew they were because back then he was green enough to wear like them belts meant something to them, man. And us beating them right. and not ever giving them back. It was pissing them off. And plus, they weren't making no money. Uh, and uh, I just remember a lot of times going to the ring thinking this motherfucker's going to kill me tonight. I just, <laughs> I just yeah. know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, I, I, he was talented. And um, I, I hate that he didn't get a little more um, notoriety for how good he was. And, Amen. He was talented in the ring, but yeah. he, he could also be a little stiff at times. Oh, yeah. Well, as, oh, yeah. as you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, do you know anything? I, I mean, I know I've heard some stories that he was possibly on the streets and, you know, all this. Do you, have you heard from him? Do you know anything about where he's at now? I, I do not. The last yeah. I heard of him, he was – he was not doing well. We did um, a reunion autograph show somewhere up north, mm -hmm. maybe eight or ten years ago that he was there. And then I saw some stuff later on. He, he got on social media for just a little while. Uh -huh. We had a couple of conversations. Um, he was not doing well. He was like mentally, he was having yeah. some real bad issues. And I, I do not know where he is right now or what's going on with him. Yeah. That, 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 that I don't stupid. know. And, and, we're talking to bring up Hammer, you know, he had some, his own issues as well. He hit that kill on the bike when he was um, driving drunk. Oh, oh. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, that was about a year and a half, two years ago down in Florida. Oh, that's so, horrible. Yeah. I think yeah, I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, you guys were kind of like the alternative horsemen, you know what I mean? And I could see where some of the guys like, and I'm not talking about the, what was his name? Big Ron stud. He went by the, the Yeti. Reese. And, Reese. Yeah. yeah Reese. Yeah, yeah. He, he did. A, I know he did a bit of a John stud gimmick there for a minute. And yep. this was earlier on in his career. And I know Hammer was there. And some of the guy's work rate was not on the level of like yours or Ravens or, or, or Saturn's or somebody like that. But, you know, I think the look, you know, because Van Hammer, he had that rock and roll gimmick. He did the like oh, heavy yeah. metal gimmick yeah. back in the 90s, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it was weird to see him kind of almost like putting this guitar player for Whitesnake with, you know, Pearl Jam. It was just weird, you know. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. it worked. It, it worked eventually. But you know, because he was just a big, he was a specimen, right? I mean, that was kind of his he was deal. Huge. He, yeah, he was yeah. huge. And you know, he he moved well for a big guy. It's his wrestling. It, it's funny because 
he, he gets trashed a lot for not being a good wrestler, but he actually taught me some stuff. Really? The way. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, he was, you know, and, and Hammer Road was, he, he, he crashed at mine and Toad's place down in Atlanta a lot when he was there. And then he actually, you know, caught more than once, caught, caught a ride with Lenny and I. Um, but uh, he, he was a unique individual, but he was one of those guys where, going back to some of the guys today, that you could walk through the Atlanta airport and for two hours and not one person would stop him and say, hey, are you a professional wrestler? Mm. You couldn't walk hammer into Kmart right? And I, or, or Walmart and I somebody stop him and ask him, are you a professional wrestler? He just had right. that look about him. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he was so big, big and imposing. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, and this is kind of a weird statement, but I think his tan even rivaled Hogan's, man. He had he was one of those guys that just had that that look about him. It was like yeah. really tall, big dude in good shape, yep. had a yep. impeccable tan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. and you know, he he was I don't know, man. I don't know if he could have gone further or what he could have done, but you know, it's it's interesting to me to think about certain guys like you or like Sick Boy or like Hammer or any of you guys, had you been given the chance to go further, especially after the WWE buyout and stuff, it would have been, I would have loved to have seen that. I know they didn't have a clue what to do with the Raven character, unfortunately. I mean, they, right. they tried, but it just felt like they didn't. Cause I always, I always thought that Raven, they, there needed to be that element of him. He's going to eventually lose but he needs to win some too you know what i mean and yeah. i always thought that that worked the best for the flock is that you you guys you, you gotta win some you know it's and, and yeah. again maybe it's not about that you're getting a paycheck and as long as you got a job whatever but in the storytelling of it i feel like you eventually have to win some to make you guys yeah, buy it, well, you know? absolutely after you can't lose all the time you know yeah. i mean you may have one or two guys like you know, like, you know, Riggs and I were kind of cannon fodder, yeah. but, you know, and, yeah. and um, it, uh, thankfully, like, I, I was an another guy that we haven't mentioned yet, but was, I think, a, a big part of the flock, obviously, was Kidman. And oh, his totally. ability. You know, yeah. he, 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 he was so good. I yeah. never had a bad match with Kidman. I don't, if you have a bad match with Kidman, it's not his fault. Right. <laughs> yeah. That could go. Right, right. <laughs> he could yeah. work. Yeah, Did he you was great. Work with him, Wolf? Did you ever work with him, Wolfie? No, not I don't. I don't believe I did. Oh, he was so so good. He just he was. I, I don't. I don't think he. Even though you know he, he got the cruiserweight belt and stuff and some different things. Yeah. I, he's another one. I I think that got sold a little short on how talented he was and how how, how good he could, how he could go. Let me ask you this. Let me. Ask you, was that like an opioid gimmick that he had? I mean, I'm just being honest. <laughs> oh, I, with with a scratch and the yeah, inch. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Because I was yeah, not, that, I unfortunately went down a bad path in my life, and I understood the gimmick, but it was way after the Nitro days. But yeah, exactly. That, that, that was that was pretty crazy because he's going out there scratching and stuff, and I'm I'm thinking, man, I think that was an opioid gimmick, man. <laughs> Raven, Raven took so for everyone that was in the flock, Raven had taken the time to give all of us, probably me the least, because I knew what he wanted, but. He had given everybody certain things he wanted them to do. And yeah. I feel like the guys who listened to him got over and the guys who kind of wanted to be cool and do their own thing didn't. Gotcha. Like, that makes sense. Sick boy, yeah. he, he had, a, he had the, you know, he was big on that movie Train Spotting. Right. Was, yeah. And feeling yeah. some of the character stuff from there. And I felt like Sick Boy didn't want to buy into, and I loved him to death, but he, he always had this, 
air of, well, I'll do this, but I want to be a little bit cool on the side, you know? And, and Riggs is like, I want to do this, but I, kind of, I want to be the cool guy too. Well, Raven was the cool guy. Right. You know, he was the lead. He was Raven's flock. Right. Like Lodi's flock or Sick Boy's flock. Right. Or Reese's flock. Right. I feel like if, I feel like if all of those guys would have taken the cues and things from Raven that he gave them because he has that mindset about the business and knows what works, I think the whole flock could have been even better. And the guys who've gotten over even more had they paid more attention and, and not tried to do their own thing. Yeah. Honestly, with their, with their characters. Because he, he just, Raven was that good with that stuff. And I mean, and then, then came Goldberg, basically, seriously. I mean, not right. to not, I'm not knocking Goldberg, but that was a time where it was like, okay, let's feed the flock to Goldberg, you know, or let's, yeah. you know, and these yeah. kinds of things. And I mean, I liked Goldberg when he was called Nikita Koloff. Let's just say that. I, <laughs> not knocking Goldberg, but I just saw it immediately as a Nikita gimmick. Again, he did a much bigger and more things than Nikita did. But at first, I'm like, oh my God, this is just a Nikita dude, you know, come on. <laughs> so, you know, What's funny about that, I'm glad you brought that up because some people don't get it, but I obviously grew up watching Nikita. Yeah. Um, and Nikita, Nikita and I are good friends now. We do a lot of ministry work together. We actually went to lunch about three weeks ago. That's and awesome. I will ne- I'll never forget when the first time I met Nikita out and spent time with him outside. The, um, he, he obviously wasn't wrestling anymore, and I had just come off TV, and he and I were at a seminar and he was sitting about two rows up in front of me. I had to come in a little late for the second day or whatever. And we weren't sitting together at the time. But I looked at him. And I, I was in the power plant with Bill when Goldberg mm-hmm. was in the power plant training. Mm-hmm. And Bill and I were friends. Sure, but sure. What, what you just said, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Nikita kind of from the side and two rows back. And I'm like, he looks just like Bill Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny. But I, this is a line I've got to give uh, Toad credit for. Um, we talk about everyone knows, you know, wrestling, you know, is, is a work. We, they, they know today it's not real, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. However you want yeah. to say that. But one of the things about Nikita who got over in his day and one yeah. of the things about Goldberg who got over in his day, mm-hmm. 99% of the people sitting in that auditorium, if yeah. they met Nikita or Bill Goldberg in a back alley, they're getting oh, their butts yeah. kicked. Yeah, yeah, they're running. No, no, running. no, it yeah. hands or butts about it. Yeah. And, yeah. and so th- th- that's just a, you got a guy 6'2", 295 pounds that's got traps up to his ears. That's yeah. just believable. Yeah, and, and Nikita was yeah. Nikita had the same thing. Yeah. And that's just, you know, and um, man, but, but no, you nailed it. They're, they're, they're very, very similar. Well, I'll yeah. tell you, Goldberg's, Goldberg sold me uh, at WCW when uh, Jamie and I were going to the ring, okay? He wasn't even fixing to be on. Me and Jamie were just going to the ring, and I had to pass by his dressing room on the way to the ring. And I look in, and this dude is beating his head up against that brick wall. You know that painted cinder yeah. block? <laughs> yeah. He's beating yeah, his head yeah. on it. I'm like, what in the world? It's that football player <laughs> yeah. gimmick, man. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no helmet on, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that's the problem. <laughs> it's still real. It's still real to him. Yeah. It's still, it's still real to him. So uh, I want to ask you this question, man. So it, it was Lenny that you did the the gay gimmick with, right? The West Hollywood blonde. Yeah. Yeah. So how everything is to in today's world, obviously, like two guys that are not gay 
cannot go and do a gay gimmick or they're going to get, you know, canceled or whatever. Uh, right. At the time, though, okay, and I relate this to, uh, like, me and Jamie could not be in the nation of domination in today's world, go out there with all blacks and, and throw a black power sign. We couldn't do that now. Right, right. What, at the time, though, did you have any, like, like drawbacks from it or like, I don't want to do this or not that you, not that that gives your opinion on whether you agree with uh, gays or not. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying, was there ever a point where you were just like, I don't know about this, you know, do I feel bad? Do I, I mean, what were your feelings? So, you know, that whole gimmick was Lenny's idea. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I, I give you this and hopefully two minutes or less. Um, the flock was over. I was doing basically Saturday night tapings. I was, I was, I was on Nitro maybe once a month, just mm-hmm. doing an enhancement job here or there. And Lenny, who I didn't know very well, he was under an enhancement contract. He did the Saturday night taping, and we're at TV on a two because we we taped our Saturday night shows on Tuesday nights every other Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And Lenny walks up to me, and goes, "Hey, Lodi, what are they doing with you now?" I'm like, "Not much." Uh, he goes, "I got an idea." I'm like, "Okay, what you got?" He knew I was friends with Nash, and Nash was booking at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, have you ever seen an ambiguously gay duo on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> That's <laughs> and I'm like, well, he, he goes, he goes, I got an idea. He said, why don't we do something similar? Not, we're not gay, but we'll just kind of pretend and kind of we'll just be friends and we'll be tag team partners. But he's like, here's an idea for a vignette. We're walking down the beach. You're eating ice cream. I'm eating ice cream. Well, <laughs> your ice cream falls off on the sand. And I'm like, here, Lodi, try a bite of mine. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of giggling, but I'm kind of like, you know, okay. But Lenny's like, bro, you can pitch that to Nash. And I'm like, I'm not pitching that to Nash. He's like, no, you, you, you can get over. I'm like, I tell you what, I said, if you're that serious about it, everything you just talked, because he had some other ideas, whatever. I said, uh-huh. type, type it all up and bring it to TV in two weeks. And I'll take it to Nash if you type it up for me. Uh-huh. No way he's not going to type this thing up. There's no right. way. Right. Show up at TV two weeks later, two o'clock, Lenny comes running up with three typed pages. Mm. He hands it to me. He goes, here it is. And I look at it, and the first line goes, this is not a gay gimmick. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, Lenny. <laughs> he said, bro, you said you'd give it to him. Said, All right, come on. So we'll go down the hallway, wherever Nash's office was at the time. I walk in and said, Kevin, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, sure, what's up? I said, I got something for you. Like, what you got? I'm like, just an idea. If you get a chance, can you read this over sometime? And I hand it to him. And he looks at it and goes, this is not a gay gay. Get out of here. And he throws the three pages up in the air. He goes, what are you guys? Is this a joke? Get out. And he like, kicks us out of the office. And I'm like, thanks, Lenny. We're never working here again, you know? I'm like, and so I was actually, true story, living in West Hollywood at the time. I moved to California. Uh-huh. And about a month and a half goes by. And I get a call from Ross Foreman and Ross Foreman was the editor of the magazine and good friends with Kevin Nash. And Ross says, Hey, you're going to get a call in about five minutes. Um, I think they're going to run with that gimmick. You and Lenny pitched. I'm like, why? He goes, got to run quick. <laughs> and I'm sitting at lunch with my manager out in LA and I get a call from Kevin Nash. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing kid? And I'm like, I just having lunch. He said, um, what are you doing Monday? I'm like, I don't know what do you got in mind. He goes, think about bringing you and Lenny in nitro and doing that gimmick you guys pitched and i'm like well we pitched it i'm good for it if you're good for it he goes all right see you monday and so that's how it started lenny actually like i said lenny came up with that idea we pitched it 
And, you know, some people have either forgotten or don't know what happened to us, but we ran with that for six months. And, Mm -hmm. you know, back then you break down the quarter hour ratings. Our quarter hour ratings were killing it. We were doing like four fives, four sixes, four sevens. And Hogan and Bischoff were bringing like one nines. We we were Uh like, our show was starting to do terrible ratings, but mine and Lenny's segments were killing it. We were set to get the tag team straps from um, Harlem Heat at, um, Halloween Havoc, huh. and we're in the sh- we're in the shower filming one of our vignettes. I'll never forget Arn Anderson walks in. He goes, "Boys, time to get out of the shower. You got to be brothers. We just got in trouble." So oh. the whole storyline was we were brothers all along. That's why we were so affectionate. We would mm-hmm. never let them know our last name. So we would do these vignettes where Lenny's be like, "Lodi, when they find out about us, we're gonna be in so much trouble." And I'd be like, "Lenny, it's not like we're the only two here." So you know, we had Harlem Heat. We had yeah. the Armstrongs. We had lots of brother tag teams. Right. Yeah. So the thing was, what happened, Glad, the Gay and Lesbians Against Defamation organization, uh-huh. they got upset with us, and they sent a thing to AOL Time Warner, who had bought the wrestling company, and they had five problems with us that were not true. Uh-huh. And AOL Time Warner took us off TV. So we got canceled for that mm-hmm. back in 2000. We before got cancellation. Before, before cancel was cool, it was in the <laughs> Washington Post. It was in the USA Today. But, you know, they said, that, you know, to go back to the gay game, you know, everybody always call it the gay gimmick. Mm-hmm. But they said um, I was announced as Lenny's gay tag team partner. Well, we never used the word gay or homosexual on TV ever. Yeah, yeah. They, they said we never won a match. Well, Lenny was a cruiserweight champ. Mm-hmm. So how do we mm-hmm. have a belt if we never won a match? Yeah. Uh, they said they would have been they would have been fine with a gimmick if they would have put that on two established characters, not two new guys. Well, Lenny had been on TV for four years. I've been on TV for two already. We weren't new characters. So in other words, they um, they didn't want no gay guys getting jobbed out. You'd be all right. They didn't like like the way it was running. Yeah. And um, so, but that that was the end of us. And so we set off, we set off TV for six months, waiting for them to come up with something for us to come back. Yeah. (laughs) That is that's a good story. I like that. And actually, yeah. after we started saying that about uh, them taking Time Warner, it clicked. I think I remember that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. then uh, you know Russo and Ferrar thought it'd be funny to bring us back because when every week they came up with a new idea for us, they had to pitch it to these guys from AOL Time Warner called Standards and Practices, and uh, they kept shooting down every idea they had. So do you know what idea Vince Russo put on us when they gave us? Stacey Keebler, they call it standards, standards and practices. practices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they they dressed us like the guys from Standards and Practices. How a wrestling yeah. fan was supposed to know what that was is beyond me. <laughs> That's really it was good. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. and I man, I know we're going over here. Um, Jimmy, do you got you, you got any more questions for him before we wrap it up? Well, you brought it up at the beginning. I mean, you wrote a book. You're an author. Oh yeah, right. yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. 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 I would love yeah. to hear about that. You know, I was before I ever got into wrestling. I was a competitive bodybuilder for years, and I funny story. I read a lot. I, I'm just an avid reader, and John Grisham, who wrote you know all those legal thrillers, everybody knows who John Grisham is. Oh, he was yeah. a lawyer, and his story was he just wanted to write a book and have a stack of papers in his office that would sit over the corner. And somebody would be like, hey, what's that big stack of papers? He'd be like, oh, I wrote a book once. That was The Firm, his yeah. first book. I'm sorry, I take that back. The Firm was second. Um, a Time to Kill was his first book. 
And right. that's what that was. And it turned out he was actually had a knack for it and was good at it. So I wrote a book um, years ago and got it published. And uh, it's just about a competitive bodybuilder and training and competitions and that kind of stuff, just a fiction work. Um, but I, Nikita's been on me for the last two years to put an autobiography together. And I started scratching some notes down, but it's not, um, it's not, it's not close to completion yet, but that'll be my next one. I've been on Wolfie to do that as well, but he's like, man, I got a podcast. I'm not doing that. <laughs> there you go. I've already told my story. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but you should, man. I'll be one of the first ones to buy it, brother. You you write it. Yeah, I'll well, buy it, man. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, and, it, and it will get done. That's for sure. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, so let's uh, plug all your stuff, man. Where can people uh, find out about your school? Where can they find yeah. you? So uh, my, my wrestling school is called the Team Fearless Training Academy. We're based in Matthews, North Carolina. My website for my personal training studio is called Your Flex Appeal. It's yourflexappeal.com. You can go there and get all the wrestling information. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's L-O-D-I, the number one Brad is my deal there. But you can find me on all my social media, you know, Brad Lodi Kane, Lodi One Brad, and find out, like I said, my show's coming up in the, the spring. And the other thing that, you know, I've done since 2012, 2011, I, I hooked back up with one of my former students, and we formed a tag team called Team Fearless. And basically, our whole premise was that was our way to spread the ministry and our mm. ministry. Because I uh, got back and I cleaned up my act and obviously went to rehab for my drugs, my substance abuse, and um, just celebrated my 14th year sober. That's awesome. Uh, back in, back in August. Yeah, and congrats. Yeah, it was one of those things. If it wasn't for me getting sober, I would have been dead. You know, we yeah. uh, we don't have to go to all the people that we know that have lost. Oh, lives man. due to heart attacks or suicide or drug overdoses and yeah. it's just um i was headed down that same path and god had a different plan and i'm thankful for that and I, i'm glad to still be here yeah man do you ever hook up with george south at all <laughs> yeah I see, I see, yes well that's the thing i see george you know it'd be you can't not be here in charlotte the carolinas and, right and not see george and george and i do a lot of the same shows together and there's a group out of dallas i work for like on the christian wrestling federation and yeah. um, so I, I speak once or twice a month. Um, I've got a couple of speaking engagements coming up in October, November, and December. And like I said, then I'll get back to wrestling again in, in January. But I, I, I speak again once or twice, occasionally a little more, but that's about average for me per and month. It's, and it's in schools, churches, different things. Yeah. Jimmy, you were you were reading my mind because I was about to give a formal apology to Lodi. Uh, I had George on the show, and I know he's very you know faith based and all that stuff. Yeah, and uh, I made it the whole hour with George without one single cuss word. And you don't know how hard what? that. Yeah, I know. I, did. I made the whole hour, and just when you were talking a little while ago, and then you said something about ordained minister, I started thinking to myself, yeah. "Man, here I am sitting here cussing, and you know, not <laughs> so respect, man." And I'm like, so anyway, I apologize for my potty mouth. No apologies needed. You're good, man. You're good. No worries. <laughs> well, anyway, man, it has been a great hour or so talking to you, catching yes, up. Man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. This was great. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm glad, glad you were able to do it for us, man. And again, we just want to thank you, Lodi, for coming on, man. I'm sure the listeners, this has been a great uh, episode, and we really appreciate it. So, Jimmy... 
I know. You don't even have to tell me that when we come back from break, we're going to have Ask Wolfie D anything, right? Ask Wolfie D anything it is. Yes, sir. Uh, When are we ever going to run out of questions? I don't think ever. They keep asking them. We're going to keep going. (laughs) Well, we'll be right back. Thank you, Lodi. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. Hey, man. Thank you. If you need anything, anything, let me know. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. You guys have a good one, man. Thanks, buddy. Take care, bud. DJ, hit the music. Right, we're back with Ask Wolfie D anything, and man, oh man, Lodi was cool, dude. That dude is awesome. Yeah, man, very good. And it's funny the, the stuff he was telling me that I didn't remember. I, you know, about Kill Devil Hills and shaving his head and all that. It's funny. <laughs> horrible, Jimmy. Let's just, let's just. I just need to admit it. Yeah, man. I was like. What did you have for dinner last night, Wolfie? <laughs> you know, like, that's the thing. Yes. <laughs> spaghetti okay well there you go there's a start but so your short term is fine it's your long term it seems like uh, there's a yes there's yes. a section you can remember your childhood pretty well but then there's yeah. a section of your career where it's <laughs> it's hit or miss but i bet you a dollar a month from now you may be like oh yeah i do remember that you know yeah. and it's you you maybe we need to anybody know any memory techniques that we can get wolfie maybe <laughs> some shroom therapy or something i don't know but hypnosis hypnosis maybe hey that's a good one i like it well anyway we got some good questions on the show today some of them are just i mean we've just got inundated with great questions so like i said if we don't get to it immediately we're gonna get to it it's just we got so many good ones all at once and sometimes it's feast or famine with the good questions so we you know we're just so thankful that y'all sent them in and promise you we'll get them answered but the first one i want to start with and this one's actually been in our inbox for a little while so i want to make sure And this guy's a great listener Always supportive of us on Facebook, always supportive of us on YouTube, does a great job just supporting the show and very active and very vocal with us. So we definitely appreciate Freshy Johnson on Facebook. He's got a two-parter. So in the first part of it, I'm going to ask this. In a perfect world, how would you have booked PG-13's exit from the nation? Hmm. Well, (laughs) Hawk, well, well, (laughs) that way, um, I mean, I mean, that wasn't a bad exit, but I mean, we were getting fired. So in a perfect world, we would have continued on. Uh, Obviously, we would not lost our jobs. So I don't know that you would have. I mean, at that particular time, if you did throw us to the road, whereas you probably still have to have the same outcome or do it in some sort of fashion to where it actually because, I mean, honestly, the people we're happy to see us get our asses kicked finally really bad. Sure. Yeah. Because you've been like the bumps and stuff usually all the time, but we really got it handed to us. Uh, you know, they, they want to see that. The only thing you could have, I don't even know if they, if there's a way where we could have made it where they felt sorry for us, you know, where, where, where Farouk, you know, maybe after LOD beats us, the shit can us to the floor, and then and then the nation fucking beats our ass. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They bring right. us and jump on us, and maybe in in some sort of fashion turn us babyface. That's the uh, top of my head. That's about the best I can come up with. 
Yeah, that's good. I like that. And then what I would love to see, maybe if there was a way to where you could eventually, you know, you're beat to nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And then you essentially get to the point to where you're like, well, there's nothing but up after this. Mm -hmm. And so you, you and Jamie are not in the nation anymore. And obviously you're not on the level of the Legion of Doom at that time. So you kind of work your way up to the ranks and then maybe sometime you can work like, you know, Crush and, and Farouk or D'Lo and Crush or somebody. And you actually end up working, you know, to try to get, and then you probably would lose, but still you would work your way up, you know, to them. I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, honestly, I could almost see there's so many different for scenarios there but yeah. i don't i would have loved to have seen you stuck around obviously but yeah you know and so his second part of this question it says also would pg-13 eventually have broken up for maybe singles runs in wwe yeah like you eventually you know like even the new i don't age think outlet. that would have worked there at that yeah. point in time i don't right. think that would have worked yeah so your, your your strength was the tag team yes 100 yeah. and the gimmick yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, maybe down eventually down the line, if you had a good five-year run as the tag team, maybe yeah. somewhat Jim, Jamie runs on a cruiserweight title and you run on like an intercontinental time. I mean, this is just all thoughts, you know, yeah. but or maybe Jamie turns into your manager or whatever. But anyway, I think the strength is the tag team. I, yeah. I do. And yeah, breaking you guys up at that point would have not, I mean, cause that could have changed everything and, and that would have been bad, I think. So, yeah. but you never know. So anyway, well, the next question is from our old buddy, Ben Martin on Facebook, Twitter, everything else. So Ben asked this, he says, was there ever a place where you walked in and said, gone, man, this place is too nice for wrestling. Like why, <laughs> why do they have wrestling here? This is way, this is like a ballroom or something. I don't know. I'm just making that up, but I mean, I've wrestled in some ballrooms. Yeah. Um, I guess that would probably be about it thinking because way more times I've walked in and went, Holy shit. Why are we wrestling here? Because it's trash. It's yeah. Garbage, right. You know, right. Dressing in a fucking broom closet and shit. Um, but yeah, I've wrestled in a ballroom that, that would probably be uh, the best answer because other than, other than something like that, I mean, Fuck, I've wrestled in plenty of uh, big arenas and stadiums, you know. Uh, sure. So those but they're are built for that. Yeah. yeah, they're meant for that. Yeah. So, yeah, but like a, a ballroom, I've done a few of those. I mean, you fought in cab stands, chicken fighting, you know, VF yeah, cockfight ring. Yeah, yeah, all that. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, the ballroom does make sense as far as, wow, this place yeah. is kind of fancy, you know. So. <laughs> it's a little fancy. A little fancy. All right. Well, the next question is from Johnny Davis on Facebook. And, you know, this one is interesting. So how did you enjoy your time at Allstate Wrestling in Shelbyville? Well, I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot because, I mean, that's obviously where me and Jamie, the, the hubcap came from there. That's where me and him put the team together pretty much. Um, there was always, man, there was some good talent there, man. There really was back in the day. And, and there was some garbage talent too, but there was, sure. there was also some, some good workers, man, that had been there, kind of done that sort of deal. Um, we, so you, you learned a lot there. And then as I got better, um, you know, I, you know, obviously 
learned how to work a crowd really good and had TV time. So I got over more and, and those people, when they packed that place in, man, then people would get with it, man. And, you know, and it, that's fun when it's a yeah. real yeah. intimate, uh, close, uh, environment like that. And they're, they're loud and they're with it. I mean, that's awesome, man. You know, it, yeah, it was, for sure. It, it was a little dirty little building and a dirty little part of Shelbyville, but, but I don't know if there's a real clean part of Shelbyville, maybe um, out in the country. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was awesome, man. I mean, I got some good memories there, some some crazy shit, you know, uh, threw old Glenn Mullins over backwards over a table one time because uh, I, I think it was the night I. <laughs> I don't know if I've told this on here, but uh, Juicy Joe and I were a tag team, and this is when I was Slash and first doing Slash, and I was I'd had a few beverages before I got there. And, uh, <laughs> you never, <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we do the match, and he's uh, he's like knocked out at the end or something, right? And he's we're baby faces, and he he's laying on his his stomach cell and just laying there, and I come over to. Uh, to you know cover him like from getting beat anymore after i've run him off you know and i'm holding yeah. iron for him and i'm laying i start i, I first i just am over him but then i lay on top of him <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm humping his butt <laughs> just fucking with him right <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 he he got mad but glenn mullins got mad at me when i came back and tried to uh, tell me how to work. Now I like Glenn Mullins. Let me just say that before I tell the rest of the, sure. I, you know, I've apologized to him since, but, uh, yeah, man. So I come back and, and he, uh, basically I took it like, you know, who is this motherfucker trying to tell me how to work? You know what sure. I mean? Of course. And, uh, I fucking went off and I grabbed him by his shirt and pretty much lifted him off the ground and shoved him backwards. And he did like a backflip over a table and they called the law, and I, was, I wasn't there when they got there. We'll just end it like that. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Bamoosed. <laughs> yeah. You got out of there. That's funny. So, okay, who ran, who ran that? Who, who ran that show? That Glenn Mullins and his Glenn daddy. Mullins. Okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, the Mullins family. Glenn, Ben, and I think the dad's name was Hayden. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, gotcha. I hung well, Joe through through Glenn over the table. <laughs> got the law called on me. Flash <laughs> was going crazy. What are you doing to me, Wolfie D? <laughs> Get the fuck off me! Don't hunt for me, brother. <laughs> Oh, man, I just talked to Chris Kern on my podcast, and he was telling some funny stories about Gypsy Joe, how one time Tojo Yamamoto came, and Gypsy Joe, everybody was in there, and of course, you know, when Tojo's there, people are going to flock to him, and he yeah. says, you come up to Tojo, you shake his hand, and you leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and believe me, that had to be said. I guarantee it. <laughs> you know that you know that it had to be said because yeah. if he didn't say it, they were going to be all over him. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just so funny. But yeah, man, Chris put you over big time on the show, man. He was he was talking about how a good worker, man. He really was. Yeah, he really enjoyed the Lucky Thirteen gimmick and how you guys, you know, Chris Champion and Dutch came up with the gimmick, and then y'all were cool with letting it happen. So <laughs> it was. Uh, he said he made more money with that gimmick than he ever made in his career. So, yeah. Well, there you good, go. Good for him. The old PG-13 rub paid off. Yeah. So, yeah. 
When does that happen for us, brother? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. just kidding, just kidding. But yeah, anyway, that that was uh, that was a good show we had today, man. That's all I got, by the way. So yeah, that's all the answers I got. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, guess we will come up with another guest for next week, and y'all tune in and see who it is. Thank you for listening, as always. Go buy some merch or something, man, on Pro Wrestling Tees, or hit me up on Facebook and buy something. I don't Artwork, know. Artwork, whatever. Gym. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to sell, but money's always good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're taking donations. Yeah, we passed the plate around y'all. But anyway, <laughs> I know. yeah. Did I know some of y'all got events you want to promote or stores you want to promote or businesses. Oh, speaking of events that uh, I'd like to talk about, a friend of mine, Eric Byford, out of the Nashville, went to school with him. Uh, he was actually a sponsor of the show there for a while. Yeah, former guest, so, too. So he's got an event coming up on Veterans Day. Uh, that's November the 11th. It starts at 1 p.m. Um, and it is called, it's sponsored, I believe. It's got a bunch of sponsors. Uh, it's for Operation Stand Down, uh, Music City Cares, and they've got a bunch of people, uh, I guess mostly country singers, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, okay. Host, it's going to be in uh, at the Troubadour in Nashville. Yeah, there's plenty of good sponsors on here. I mean, Jack Daniels and all kinds of stuff. So it should be a good event. They they just honor veterans on that, and I guess it's just a, a time to have a good time. He's trying to get me to uh, find a wrestler that was, and, and maybe you know, listeners or somebody can help me with this because I thought of someone and I can't find them. But um, <laughs> anyway, I need a wrestler that uh, was in the military. Now, we can't use Chase because he told that story. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. So I need a wrestler that was in the military. Um, and and what the, what they would do was they'll be come to that show and they'll make a plaque uh, and honor that person. They honor like three people or something like that he was telling me. I don't know all the details, but I'm sure there's a website uh, if you look it up. Uh, I could probably have more information before November the 11th. So yeah, uh, they'll put you over Nashville yeah. nearby. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's awesome. And we, Byford's a good dude. We had yep. him on the show. He did sponsor the show with his, with his restaurant that he had for a while there, you know, okay. meant a lot to us at that time. So very cool. Absolutely. Definitely Absolutely. go check that out. He's a hustler, man. He, he gets stuff yeah. done and if he puts his name on it, it's going to be something cool. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That's about all I got, Jimmy. And uh, folks, we will see you next week. We won't see you. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at genejacksonpod.com. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving it in color. Don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while and you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes.
that's what I've injected. This shit's so sick, it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause we're bringing more folks from over one poor data. Not here to play games, so you better be You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You set me step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.